0: Not every film can be Citizen Kane But even critics have claimed That it was shit in its day Some films are shit and shit they will stay But some get better over time Because of Nicolas Cage So which film stays shit forever? and Which one got a little bit better? Second chance Were harmed in the making of this podcast.
1: Welcome to Second Chance Movies, the podcast where we re-watch movies and decide if they deserve a second chance.
0: I'm Joe Harper, your host who loves re-watching movies and collecting action figures.
1: And I'm Jessica Quaz, your host who's a one-and-done kind of movie viewer who would never make it past basic training. And today, we're giving Small Soldiers a second chance.
0: So the reason we've chosen Small Soldiers is because I just love this movie. Uh, It's a movie I think has gone kind of under everyone's radar for the last, like, 20-ish years. Uh, It popped up on Amazon Prime the other day, and I was like, I want to watch! And... The wife was like, sure. And then I called up Jessica and was like, can we watch? And she was like, okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much how it went down. I was on board because I hadn't watched it in a very, very long time. A very long time. Um, so I hardly remembered anything. And so I wanted to see, like, yeah, what is this kid's movie like nowadays?
0: So, yeah, I also haven't watched it in a long time. Um, so... Because it, it's pretty, it's it wasn't streaming for the longest time, um, but we'll get into our first chance in a second. For those of you, I just want to start off by saying, spoiler alert, we're going to be talking about this movie from 1998, so if you haven't seen it, go watch it.
1: <laughs> go watch it.
0: But listen to us first, if you don't care about spoilers, but if you do care about spoilers, Watch it, then come listen to us. Uh, whatever order you need to do it, in, man. Yeah.
1: Um.
0: So, IMDb, for those of you who do not remember or don't know what this movie is about. IMDb says, When missile technology is used to enhance toy action figures, the toys soon begin to take their battle programming too seriously. How do you feel about that description, Jessica?
1: I mean, it is what happens, so, like, good job on that, but it's also, I find, just, like, too intricate of a summary, just, like, uh, toys come to life and fight.
0: That, yeah, that's the dumbed-down version of it, yes. Right. Um, (laughs) uh, for me, and we're gonna get to a lot of, uh, their critics and, you know, their reviews, most of them use this phrase, too, it's like Toy Story meets Gremlins,
1: yeah, yeah, a hundred percent yes.
0: The movie, just to give me a a basic better summary than that movie, uh, two guys that are trying to make toys pitch their two weird ideas of, like, commandos and monsters, and to make them li- slightly better, one of them uses this programming chip that gives them this, like, kind of AI that can talk to the kids, make it a little bit more fun, interactive, And that ship goes crazy. And then the toys take on like a life of their own trying to battle the monster toys. So it becomes like an all out warfare in a backyard, which is so much fun. (laughs) It really is. (laughs) So, do you know your first time with this movie? I don't.
1: I don't remember it. It's been so long and I was so young. Like, I know I definitely watched it as a kid at least a couple times. Um, but, like, I couldn't tell you, like, definitively when my first time watching it was.
0: I had to have watched this in theaters, because, as a toy collector, someone who loves collecting toys, playing with toys, this was, like, made for me.
1: Truly, (laughs) I,
0: I, I know I would have been telling the parents, I gotta go see this! And they, one of them probably had to drag me to watch this with me. I know I bought it on VHS. I had a VHS copy of this i would play it i play it over and over never bought it on dvd because it was way too like rare i never saw it out there because by the time dvd came around this movie was kind of like buried in movies yeah it was up until recently when i was like oh it's streaming i need to see this because <laughs> uh, like it, when it's playing all the like the lines came back to me because i had seen it way too much it brought back a lot of memories all right we know how my first time was We don't know what your first time was. Let's hear what other people's first times were.
1: Ooh, time for reviews.
0: So, I first have to say what the tomato meter is. Tomato meter it's not looking good for this movie. 48%. And the audience score wasn't far off, 45%. So audiences didn't even like it as much as critics.
1: That's shocking.
0: (laughs) It really is, because like... I feel like it has all the fun elements of, like, a family movie.
1: Yeah! I feel like it's a good audience movie, so it's shocking that critics, who are usually much harsher, are liking this more. That's so odd.
0: Whew. All right, let's start off with some positive reviews. Uh, Felix Vasquez Jr. of Cinema Crazed said, Works as an adventure film and another fine Joe Dante creature feature. Joe Dante, for those that do not know, actually directed Gremlins back in the day. So it's really easy to compare these two, because Gremlins had a set of rules for keeping the Little Critter, um, those rules got broken, and all hell broke loose. And Little Monsters, so it's a little monsters that's fighting around, and it has a very similar tone, where little like toys are running around attacking everybody.
1: Someone at Eonline, unnamed, we don't know who said it, but... Someone in the e online machine said, "G.I. Joe goes ballistic in Dante's smart, witty hybrid of Toy Story and his own Gremlins."
0: Yeah, everyone. <laughs> there's a lot of people that compare the two, and they're not wrong. There, it's. I get the vibe from. It's like they had a baby, and Small Soldiers was it.
1: Yeah, which like, I'm not mad at. I love I'm it. not mad at that. Yeah, like it's a fine combination in my book.
0: Um, Dennis Schwartz of. Dennis Schwartz movie reviews said, smart, satirical action comedy about talking action toys.
1: I agree. I think it is smart and there's a lot of satire there which I pick up on now at this age and I didn't as a kid.
0: So, as a kid it just all flew by me. I was just like, the toys are alive!
1: Right, right. Whereas this time around I'm like, holy shit, it's all an allegory for war. <laughs> like, and how white men profit and how white men create wars for profit.
0: When I thought of it as an adult, I was just like, yeah, toys are alive. <laughs> I was just so pumped.
1: Joe Baltake from I'm a like, Joe. You're a Joe. Well, this Joe, Joe Baltake from the Sacramento Bee, wrote deliciously perverse.
0: What a fucking weird comment.
1: Right? What does that mean?
0: What was that again? What did he say? It's deliciously
1: delicious. perverse.
0: He had way too much fun with the Stacy doll scene.
1: <laughs> yeah. He, oh, God, no.
0: That scene is terrifying.
1: It's so scary to this day.
0: All right. This pains me to say this about small soldiers. But let's. Oh, here's some negative reviews. Ugh.
1: We gotta be balanced, so let's, let's read some of the reviews that psychotic people said to attack a fun movie. Alright, Kevin Laley with Film Journal International wrote a charmless and often mean-spirited kids movie that no kid under 8 should be taken to see.
0: Well, let's not restrict ages for kids. If you want an irresponsible parent bringing a kid to a movie, so be it. Whatever. But, like, this is not that movie that's, like, so bad and awful.
1: No, I didn't... I mean, like I said, I watched it as a kid and I never was like, yeah, let's fucking violence this up. Or, like, <sighs> um, I didn't... It's weird to think, like, the things I watched as a kid, which we've talked about in this show, <laughs> because Small Soldiers is very tame compared to other things I watched as a kid. And, like... I haven't murdered anyone yet.
0: Well, not that we know of.
1: I mean, we could talk about this idea for hours, but I just want to say, like, with this movie and other other kids' movies, whatever, you know, the argument of, like, whether it be video games or TV or movies influencing kids to be violent, I think is one of the dumbest arguments, because it's... Maybe there's someone who says like, "Oh, I did it because I watched this." Like that—that that does happen. But there's already something there, you know. It's not just like you watch Small Soldiers and think, "All right, I gotta blow stuff up now." Like, it's not the case. Calm down. know.
0: There were thousands or millions of other people that watched that, and exactly. no one else had that. Ron Wells of Film Threat. It looks like the movie was edited down from a much meaner version to our loss. And he's accurate. It was, as we just learned. Um, the director wanted to go a little bit harder, and the studio was like, we got to sell some toys. we, we got to have um, product placement in it, and we need it to be nicer. No, guys, make, make, it, make a movie.
1: It's just funny because my review said it was too mean. Your review said it wasn't mean enough. What do you want? (laughs) What do y'all want here?
0: (laughs) Everyone wants something different. You can't please everyone.
1: No, you sure cannot. Speaking of not pleasing everyone, everyone's favorite sassy bitch, Roger Ebert, of course had to weigh in on this kid's movie. (laughs) He said, What bothered me most about small soldiers is that it didn't tell me where to stand, what attitude to adopt.
0: Ebert... You're an adult. Make your own decision about the movie. Why is the movie telling you, like, hey, guys, the commando toys that are murdering everything? We'll let you be the judge of you if they're good or bad.
1: Right, dude. I don't know. To me, I found it very obvious.
0: The humans and the monsters were like, no, we're hiding out. we got to fight against this tyranny of these soldier toys. All right. So, with it... least 20 years aged in a barrel what do you think of small soldiers now in 2021
1: okay so I have sort of a long winded answer that's going to take us on a journey but just like sit with me okay like I said I had not seen this movie in a very very long time I couldn't tell you my first time watching it that's how young I was I couldn't tell you the last time I watched it that's how young I was um So I didn't know what to really expect because it's like one of those things where like like, when you're a kid you love a movie and then you watch it now and you're like, what the fuck is this? This is weird. Or you're like, yeah, it slaps. So I didn't know where I was going to go. Also, in line with that thinking, I don't know if you've seen this, Joe. Uh, I know I have. Uh, But look, I'm all about being uh, aware about certain topics. But there has been... (laughs) Oh, well, strap in, buddy, because this one's about (laughs) to get wild. There has been an argument that Small Soldiers is problematic because, hold on, it romanticizes and uplifts uh, militarization, the uh, military-industrial complex, and war. So that was something I was aware of when I sat down to watch it this summer. It uplifts? yeah people I are saying like it's
0: I feel like it's mocking it the entire time
1: yeah <laughs> I couldn't
0: agree more uh, it, they're clearly the bad guys in this in this movie
1: right like so when I sat down to watch it, I had that in mind and thought maybe this is gonna be like problematic and uncomfortable and then as I was watching it, I was like, guys, this is all an allegory for the problems of war like there's a clear like you said the The soldiers are the enemy, and uh, there's a whole layer of, like, this, like, military, uh, weapons company buying a toy company and creating a literal war for profit. It's all an allegory for fucking problems of war. There's so many things that hint at that, too, that it's, like, this is not romanticizing the military. This is, a actually commentary about how War affects certain people, and it's all about money in the end. So, yeah. So I just wanted to mention that because, guys, that's not the hill you want to die on, is arguing that small soldiers is all about uh, romanticizing war. Because it's definitely not.
0: I'll dumb it down. I just like that these toys came to life, and we're like, we gotta fight them. (laughs) That's what we're programmed to do. And they like believe that their like mission is to kill them. Uh I just think it's so adorable that they're having this little fight and they're like, Oh, well these humans are helping those things out? They're also Gorgonites and we have to kill them too. So uh it's just so what a wacky concept. And I love that they're like just playing out their own story. <laughs> we don't need you humans. We're doing this.
1: Right. And that's what I really 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 enjoy about this movie is that there is this big level of just goofy, fun, weird like toys are attacking, they're making fun like weapons out of whatever they find in a house, like going it like that and the, there's just such a fun goofiness. But then you also have this other level of like pulling back the curtain and seeing the metaphors and like what it means that I think as an adult I was like Oh, shit! I see what they are saying. like this is so wild,
0: okay, so I don't know which topic to dive in first because there's i feel like I could talk about this movie all day. um let's talk about c g i
1: Okay. Just because
0: let's rip that bandit off real quick sure um technology is nineteen or, this is nineteen ninety eight technology is all right. We've had Jurassic Park, so that's that's. I feel like the peak of the '90s is Jurassic Park, and everything was kind of around that. This has a mix of animatronics, so like anytime they're physically like holding, picking up a toy, a lot of it is an actual toy, and like, it's okay. But then when it's CGI, this CGI, at least the movement, like the fluid joints of the toys, all look so believable. The I would just I think the the scene that just stands out in the most when i was watching this was uh the character brick bazooka he's got like the flat top he's like the big muscular guy he's climbing i think it's alan's bike and just the way he's like everything about it and him falling off he just looked it looks so believable and i know it's all cgi I, I guess it's mixed in with like a puppet hanging off it at one point which takes me out. I wish they would just had committed to all CGI because it looks great. The like lighting and shading could be better but it was 1999 but the fact that like it's animation well, it's still flawless. It's really impressive. I believe all those toys exist because of this.
1: And it is super impressive especially now.
0: While we're on that topic. I think all the character designs for the toys are just stunning uh each each soldier has its own kind of like look uh own personality and all the, like the monsters look so weird and cool like the, their leader is like this like cougar cat man uh they've got like just a wide variety of weird looking creatures and i like it
1: Every single one of them has their own distinct look and feature. So even if you don't like know them super well, you can still see the, how they look different. I love that, and it's so interesting because for the Gorgonites specifically, somehow they made these like weird monsters that look strange and are you know all over the place, but to me are still super adorable. Like I find them so adorable. I love them so much. And it's just so interesting that they're, like, these ugly monsters that are just, like, I want a hug! I want yeah. a hug! It's a cute! <laughs>
0: um, comedian David Cross is the, uh, ca- plays the character in the movie that created the Gorgonites as, like, a fun learning toy for the kids of, like, you can learn their, like, where they're from and, like, what they do. And, like, uh, Dennis Leary's, like, executive, oh, learning? Pass. <laughs> I'm about that money and explosions. Which is
1: another allegory about war, because so, the more knowledge you have, the more war looks ridiculous.
0: Man, I just, yeah, I like the Gorgonites. They're fun. I do, uh, too. The Commandos, the Commandos aren't as fun, but, man, they're cool. They're just...
1: Yeah. They're fun villains, because they're, like, like you said, psychotic. Uh, but they're also really silly at times, and they're just doing the most. They're just always doing the wildest thing.
0: The voice voice casting is just on par.
1: Insane, like absolutely insane.
0: I think, I mean the star of this movie is definitely Tommy Lee Jones as Chip Hazard.
1: Perfect.
0: Oh, and then uh, I can never pronounce his name correctly. Uh, Frank La Langella. Yeah, Land- I can't ever say his name correctly. It's a weird one. Um, but man. He's he plays the hero Archer. He just has this, like, solemn, sweet voice. And then to voice the rest of the Gorgonites is Spinal Tap. They're even credited as Spinal Tap members, the commando elite, the soldiers. That is voiced by a lot of older, like, um, older generation, like, war movie, like, actors. Which Um, is
1: super fun.
0: Which is super fun. I think I think that a lot of them were from the Wild Bunch, I think. Okay. If I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong. Um, but like we got like uh, George Kennedy, Clint Walker, uh, Jim Brown, Ernest Borgnine, and Bruce Dern. When I was young, I didn't know who any of these people were. Except, I think, Tommy Lee Jones was like the only one I knew. And now that I'm older and know who all these people are, this is way more fun. Um, oh! I'm I'm so sorry. Well, I forgot to mention these two other voice actresses. We also get Sarah Michelle Geller and Christina Ricci as the Gwendy dolls.
1: I could not believe that
0: the Gwendolls. dolls. Uh, the wife told me she was like when we were picking this out. She's like, I always thought this movie was scary as a kid, and I didn't agree with that. But then I realized. She's probably talking about the Gwendy doll scene. And she's not wrong. (laughs) That is terrifying.
1: It's still terrifying.
0: Because, like, the Commandos, one of the Commando Elite's plans is to create an army. Because there's only, like, six of them. They go into Kirsten Dunst's bedroom. Kirsten Dunst plays, like, the neighbor girl of our main character, Alan. And so, they sneak into her bedroom, where she has these Barbie dolls. They're called Gwendy, but they're essentially Barbie's. She collects those. And they create, I don't know how they do this. Uh <laughs> they just get objects around the house to build like a machine that will insert chips into them to turn them alive. I don't know how they came up with this, but that's wild. And then the gothy dolls are alive. All of them are like eyes are falling out, their heads are shaved off. They're all like naked or in their underwear and look cre- they're all like janky and creepy like, Meh. And then like Parts of scissors are taped to their hands. It is terrifying.
1: It's so disturbing, even now as a full-grown adult who loves horror movies. I still get freaked out by that.
0: I want to say, this is one of my favorite scenes, because they're jumping on all the kids and, like, trying to attack them while saying the most crazy, hilarious things.
1: One line that, like, gets me and, like, gives me chills throughout my entire body is uh, when they're jumping on Kirsten Dunst and taking her down, they say, now it's our turn to play with you. Yikes. Yeah, it freaks me out. It really, I was not expecting that particular sequence to freak me out as much as it did. But watching it, I was just like, nope, this is too much. This is too much. Um, So part of me hates it because it really (laughs) freaks me out. And then a part of me is like, This is great because it, like, builds the suspense and, like, the intensity of these toys coming alive and, like, how bad this could be. But it's just, it's so disturbing to me still.
0: What really elevates that Gwendy scene is the music. And this, (laughs) this movie has just such a great soundtrack. It's so fun.
1: I love the soundtrack so dearly.
0: So while while the Gwindies are fine, Led Zeppelin starts playing. We get another one, bites the dust. While the they're like the Commando Elite are like working out and making their their like machines to kill people, getting pumped. Uh, we get of course War. What is it good for? How
1: could you not have that in this movie? I yes. think that's
0: the number one thing i associate that song with is this movie it's
1: the best use of that song
0: hands down i think my favorite song in this entire movie and i didn't remember this was coming the commando elite gather around alan's house at the end and start blasting spice girls as loud as they can that was by far the most 90s thing in this movie which as a time capsule held up so well um, at the time I thought like I probably and my young boy mind was like, ew, that's a stupid girl song. As an adult, I'm like, god damn it, this is the most perfect choice for like the like warfare of like driving them nuts. <laughs> Let's pick this obnoxious Spice Girl song that actually was really great.
1: <laughs> right. I as a kid uh, had the exact opposite reaction. Because that's the one thing I remember from this movie, was they play Spice Girls. Like, that sticks out. And I remember as a kid being like, yes yeah, Spice Girls! I didn't understand that it was a joke and that they were playing the song for Mental Warfare. I didn't pick up on that.
0: <laughs> it's, a, it's a fun juxtaposition that makes that scene just... It's probably the best scene in this movie. It's
1: so funny. I also like the reactions because some are like some of the family's like, no
0: What's happening? They're playing loud music and one the one of the moms, I love this song. All the parents were just super fun too. Okay,
1: so oh. uh we've been praising this movie and oh, I've no. been enjoying it. Whoa. But I do have something what a
0: hard turn we're taking. Y- well what's going yeah. on?
1: What's going
0: What's on? What's grievances you'd like to talk about?
1: So, on the topic of the parents,
0: yeah, yeah, let's talk about the parents. Let's talk about the parents. We'll talk about you know what? Let's talk about parents in humans.
1: Sure. Yeah, we've yeah. neglected the humans. Um, so, first off, I just want to say, um, there's there you know there's two sets of parents. There's Kirsten Dunst's character's parents, and then there's and then we have Xenon's boyfriend, Alan.
0: Gregory Smith, who turns out to be Mr. Everwood himself.
1: Yeah, I always yeah. just think of him as Xenon's boyfriend.
0: I don't know what Xenon is. What? Oh, I'm <laughs> sorry. What? What is it? What are you talking Zenon,
1: about? Xenon, Girl Zena. of the 21st Century, the Disney Channel original movie about the girl that lives in space.
0: Why the hell would I know that?
1: Because you were alive in the
0: 90s. I was alive in the 90s without cable. No Disney Channel, no Nickelodeon. Yeah.
1: You didn't have Disney Channel original movies in your household?
0: I'll quote my dad real quick. You watch enough damn TV as it is, (laughs) boy! So, no, I didn't get any Nickelodeon or Disney Channel. Oh, my God. No Nick at Night, uh, no MTV, no VH1.
1: I don't think I knew that about you and your family,
0: Yeah, no
1: cable. I'm so sorry, because you missed out on some bangers. Because Disney Channel original movies in the 90s were it. let me tell you. Anyway, so we got the two sets of parents.
0: Yeah, we sidetracked, yeah. We we
1: sure do. Uh, Both sets of parents are, you know, very aloof and kind of in their own world and kind of, like, just a little off the cuff, like a little crazy. Kirsten Dunst's dad is played by the late Phil Hartman. And I just, oh, I just, I love seeing him in things. So I think he's, like, the best of all the parents, for sure. So one, he's wonderful in this. Uh, her mom is is silly. There's not much we're working with. She's a little aloof, but she's funny. Yeah. I fucking hate Alan's parents <laughs> so much.
0: I don't like the characters, but I like the actors, at least. Sure, I mean, Kevin Dunn. We've seen him in quite a handful of things. For some reason, we've, uh, which I'm a huge fan of. But yeah, he's just an asshole. Dead in this. Um, they all his parents do a lot of things. I don't understand. So he, his dad is going out of town for a business trip. I don't know why. Uh, I mean, he owns a toy shop of his own. I think he's going to like look at new toys. And so he goes to the airport. His mom is also like a flight attendant but didn't, like, drive with him and go to work. I didn't understand, like, oh, he's going to the airport, but then he's back the next day. Right. Why did he leave at night and arrive in the next morning if he was on a flight? What conference did he go to?
1: And, like, the thing is, this conference is, like, a main plot in the
0: very beginning of the movie. Just to get Dad out of there. Yeah. We let a 13-year-old run a toy shop by himself. Right. Um... Who accepts a delivery from the uh, truck driver and then was like, oh, you have extra stuff? May I please have that because it looks cool and would drive traffic to my store? That's not how, that as someone who's worked in retail a while, that's not how it works.
1: No, that's not how it works. Those
0: truck drivers would be like, no, that has to go somewhere else. Or I get fired. I don't like you that much, kid. Sorry.
1: So, okay, we want, know. Uh, you know, the kid to be the one dealing with the toys on his own. But, like, the dad literally abandons his business and has his literal child run it. And the child is, like, making business deals. He's keeping shit organized. He's keeping it clean. And then, like, one thing happens. Uh, the, the small soldier's fuck up the whole store. They yeah, just yeah. fuck it up. Uh, him and Kirsten Dunst put it back together. There's this, like, wooden model boat that his yeah. father loved so much. Because he made it. Cause, oh, okay, sure. Yeah, Well, yeah, of course. Um, and the story that's told to the dad is that Alan was dusting and knocked over the boat and a part broke off. And his dad freaks the fuck out over this. And it makes me so mad because it's like, you are the owner of this business, sir. And you put your child in charge.
0: I, I, I come to the dad's defense only because the story has told us Alan is a bad kid who they've had to relocate, which well, I'll, go, I'll get on to this in a second. The story says that Alan was a troubled kid who had played a lot of pranks or whatever, and that's why they've had to move because of Alan, or he's had to switch schools. So Alan is labeled as, like, a bad boy. But they cast, like, the sweetest, nicest, polite kid. I am like, this kid is not a bad boy, in the slightest bit. No, he's, like, really nice. (laughs) Movie, get it together, these humans. Do you want him to be the bad boy? I think it just works as him just being a nice kid. Um... What I don't like about the dad is when Alan's like, these toys came to, like, he's trying to tell the dad, like, this is the truth. He should have just started with the truth as well. And the dad's like, that's not true. You're just lying to sell my tools for drugs. I'm like.
1: So the parents go from, like, zero to 100 very quickly. At one point, they're like, are you on meth? He's, like, 13. What the fuck? Um, we find out that Alan is considered a bad boy and was expelled from two schools, which is, yikes, because uh, I was a bad kid and I was never expelled once. Does he mention it?
0: I think he mentions yeah. one
1: of them. Yeah, and it's it? fucking psychotic, and it's played as, like, <laughs> he called in a bomb threat to one of his school's on, like, a parent-teacher conference day. That's not a cute prank. That's literally T.J. Miller-level psychotic.
0: This is not the character that they give us. They created, like, a backstory that's not the same character. You know, at, at 13, I've really matured, and I'm over that silly nonsense of being a bad boy. They really
1: try to shoehorn that in that, like, I'm a different person. No, you're a child.
0: I think that the the movie does a very fair job of like balancing out humans versus toys. Like it's the the movie is about the human character, but like we get a lot of we get a lot of the soldiers and Gorgonites. in what like when I compare it to something like Jurassic Park, where it's all humans and like a little bit of dinosaurs, like but the big dinosaur moments are epic. So forgiven uh Dresburg is perfect. Uh whereas like this I want to go in seeing the small soldiers and we get a lot of it. So I, there's no complaints for the amount or lack of amount. I like it.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's a fun balance. It's a good good balance. I wish the humans were more li- likable cuz some are not. Um but that's fine. Once like the action and like the the story like really is going underway, I don't even think about it. I really like the ending. Um, It's it's sweet. It's a sweet ending where Alan, uh, you know, the Gorgonites survive,
0: they're okay. They'd use an EMP to destroy all the chips, the humans do. And in doing so, they'll probably kill all the Gorgonites. But the Gorgonites were smart and hid. And they hid under the giant uh, satellite dish which obnoxious neighbor Phil Hartman set up, and it fell, fell over during battle. Again, this was one of those moments I thought, there are so many good seeds planted in this movie for this to end up. Good choice. R- writers, filmmaker, you did... What a great job. So they all were protected by the EMP, and the Gorgonites live.
1: They live. And then um, Alan pulls out that stupid model boat and puts them in... <laughs> and they go off in the boats to just find their land.
0: Again, yeah, that brings the dad's boat back full yeah, circle. Yeah,
1: that too. And then
0: they're sailing off to what they believe is Gorgon. I mean, it's just some sort of mountain, probably in California. Who knows? But it's cute that they're like riding a little river. I want to see them in the the forest. Like, if I was making my sequel, it would expand to the forest and they would have battles out there.
1: Hell yeah. I like that idea. You know, part of me, of course, wanted, like, them to stay with Alan and have this lifelong, like, friendship. But the Gorgonites were like, no, we want to go out into nature and just, like, live peaceful I wonder how long their batteries life. would last. They're supposed to they're last like... forever.
0: Oh, really? Ooh. That's
1: what, like, yeah, that's what they're talking about is that they never die. The batteries never die. It's, like, super
0: technology.
1: I just really, I really enjoyed watching it. I really did. I had a good time.
0: What do you think? Would you give this a second chance?
1: Um, I, myself, absolutely. I would say any child from the 90s, anyone who watched this as a kid, absolutely watch it now because you will have way more fun than you even Im- could imagine.
0: I still think kids nowadays would get a kick out of it.
1: I do too. I was thinking about that while watching it. Like, if you know, you never saw it and then watched it as a kid your first time. Now, like, I don't know because I don't know what it's like to be a youngin nowadays. But I think it's like still fun enough to hold up for a new audience. Like, I think it's definitely a movie that, uh, like, people our age now having kids would show their kids. Like, it, that fits that mold for me. So it's
0: it said this one is not like more talked about because I think it's really fitting. I also am really biased because it's toys. Uh, I know when I was watching it, I definitely screamed out loud. Um, what did I say? <laughs> I just go, I love this movie! <laughs> and then the wife was like, well, this is basically made for you. Truly. So, mm. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I love it. I'll give it as many. I'll watch it all the time. I think it still holds up. Uh, I might be really biased about it, but I still think it's like a fun, silly action movie that you know, is as good, if not better, than Gremlins. I said it. Um, And I think even, like, older generations might get a kick out of, like, you know, oh, Ernest Borgnine's in this. You know, like, okay. Or Tommy Lee Jones. Oh, my God, my parents' generation loves Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah,
1: the generation loves him.
0: They'll watch Double Jeopardy and own nine copies of it.
1: Well, I, you know, didn't have quite the attachment to it that you did growing up. Um, so like you said, you might be biased, but as someone who's more unbiased, I enjoyed the hell out of it. And I was not really expecting to, I kind of went in just being like, I don't know what this is going to be like. And I was just so surprised how much fun I had as an adult watching it. So it definitely still holds up.
0: It's a very underrated family film that like, when I say family, everyone of all ages could really enjoy this and get something from it.
1: So, yeah, we both say definitely give Small Soldiers a second chance. Absolutely. You will love it. I promise. Well, thank you for listening to another episode of Second Chance Movies. As always, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram. We're now on Letterboxd, so you can follow us on there. Uh, Everything is linked down below in the show notes if you want to continue being friends with us after you listen. Uh, big thank you, as always, to BD McBeatface for our awesome intro that we love so, so much. Um, you can find us on uh, YouTube if you're listening to this in audio. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts. Obviously, you found us some way, so you kind of already know that. Uh, please leave a review. It really helps us to know, like, what you want, what you're liking, what you're not liking, so we can, you know, just make this a good time for everyone.
0: Also, if you love toys... I have an Instagram, at Action Figures, where I take pictures of my toys. And you're more than welcome to comment on my pictures or talk, talk to me about toys. What's your favorite toy? I want to hear what toys you loved in the 90s.
1: We'll be back next Sunday with another Second Chance
0: movie. I think World War II is my favorite war. Second Chance movie.